Welcome to Feed the Feminine, a podcast dedicated to reviving archetypal feminine qualities in a masculine-dominated culture. I'm your host, Vanessa Sedaticato, a psychotherapist and writer empowering clients and readers to nourish their feminine, while also repairing what's been damaged in its long-standing cultural repression. Join me each episode as we talk about the archetypes present in how we eat, express, and relate, and what we can do to find meaning and reach balance. On this episode, I'm talking about therapy from both the therapist and the client's perspective and how different approaches to therapy may be needed in different times in our lives. Before we dive in, a quick disclaimer. The information provided here is intended to convey general information only and does not intend to replace or refer proper psychological diagnosis. No therapist-client relationship is implied or actualized through any contact with this podcast, website, or its creators unless formally agreed upon in a proper clinical setting. And now, without further ado, here's this week's episode of the Feed the Feminine podcast. So obviously, by now, if you've listened to other episodes or you follow me on Instagram or I post a lot of content or you read the blog or you've talked to me in person uh, or you're one of my clients, you probably know that I really focus on identifying behaviors, traits, energies through masculine or feminine. And just to reiterate, because I think it's really important to reiterate because the language can be confusing sometimes when I say masculine and feminine, I'm not talking about gender. I'm talking about archetypal energies that are present in all genders. But by identifying our behaviors and traits and energies through masculine and feminine, it helps guide us a little bit. It helps when we start to veer off course, when one starts to take over within us, much less within our culture and our society at large. Um, it helps us stay in bounds. It helps us recognize that we're going too far to one end of the spectrum. And we're going to get hurt in some way when we get to one end of the spectrum that extremes historically are not healthy for for people to be existing in for long periods of time. And so the idea behind the hungry feminine is to strike balance. It's not for one to conquer the other. It's just to recognize, okay, I'm a little bit too much in my feminine right now, and I'm getting hurt by that in these ways. So if I do these things, then maybe I can bring myself back to center a little bit. And typically, if you're too much in your feminine, the way that you're going to gain balance is to add a little bit of masculine and vice versa. I think of it sometimes, the analogy that I sometimes use is um, when I was a little kid and we would go to the bowling alley for like a birthday party or something. Uh, Little kids are not so great at bowling and they're not so great at aiming and they're not so great at sending a very heavy ball, (laughs) you know, straight in a straight line down to the pins. And so they put the bumpers in the gutter, those, those little pads in the gutter so that instead of the ball going into the gutter, because with little kids, that's going to happen probably 10 times out of 10. They just put a little a, a bumper there so that the ball will bounce off of it. And instead of going into the gutter on one side or the other, it bounces back so that it can come back to center a little bit more. So essentially, that's the work that I want to do is I'm essentially putting bumpers in the gutter so that you're not getting gutter balls every time you're too much in, in one extreme or the other. But rather, you're creating a little bit of room for a bounce so that you can redirect back to center. 
And so how does therapy play into that? Because therapy is a really great resource that we can use as people to find that balance and bring us back to center. Now that I'm entering private practice, I'm getting more questions about my approach to therapy, my my theoretical orientation and, and the way that I conduct sessions. And as somebody who is really rooted in something called depth psychology, which is a very feminine approach to therapy in, in its in its basic principles, which is that the things that maybe block us, the things that we carry around with us all the time that dictate our behavior, a lot of those things are unconscious. They're not known to us in a present way. Our ego can't quite attach to it. And so part of the function of depth psychology is an exploration. It's not saying, okay, we already have all of the information that we have right now. Let's do something about it. It's saying we're probably missing some really key pieces of intel right now. And so before we can take action, before we can start modifying your behavior into something that's more ideal for you, we first have to go on some sort of an excavation. And it's not that we really have to like, dig and figure it out and really rack our brains about what this is because that is a very masculine approach. That is a very ego-driven approach that says, I want control over this information. And so I'm going to crunch the numbers or I'm going to, you know, do some sort of mathematical, educational kind of approach to how do I get this data? It's more of a feminine approach, just kind of surrender and relinquish yourself to the fact that a lot of what fuels you is unconscious material. And if we let go of the ego's need to know everything, we actually find out a lot more. And so that gets tapped into through creativity and imagination and listening to our body and listening to our dreams and all of these less literal ways that we are actually receiving information from our psyche, but we're so trained in our culture that is masculine driven to not value that information, to not even recognize it as information. You know, we sort of think of those things as extraneous, you know, hobbies that we get to play with if we have the luxury of time in order to do so. But the truth is, there's so much value in that. And we're just not conditioned to recognize it or look for it or give a damn about it. And so from a depth psychology perspective, I say, no, we should give a damn about it because it's important and it's likely driving your behavior. And we just want to get there authentically. Carl Jung said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And that's really what my therapeutic principle is rooted in, this idea that if it's not known to us, it's going to maneuver us. And we're going to think some bigger force is controlling us when really it's just our own psyche with information that we're consciously out of the loop of. But that said, in my experiences as a therapist working with different populations in different settings, oftentimes in more high crisis settings, but even when the crisis isn't that, that pervasive or prevalent, I have really grown to appreciate the more masculine approaches to therapy, the more structured approaches to therapy, the more ego-driven approaches to therapy, which um, (laughs) I'm laughing because um, when I was leading groups at 
my job where I worked with with veterans in a residential facility, uh, pretty much every group, I would kind of touch on this a little bit because, you know, working with veterans in particular is a very masculine minded group of folks. In other words, not because they're all men. I mean, the population that I worked with was all men. Um, Not all veterans are men, but it wasn't because they were actually men that made their thinking masculine. It was because they were people who were trained by a department of our government and for a purpose that is entirely masculine to to fight a war to protect your country in whatever capacity that is and and we don't have to go down the political um path of it but just just this what is basic training what is the military teaching its recruits other than shut down your emotions shut off your individuality you are now a part of this unit you are all in this together and you have a mission and your mission should be carried out by the letter without any emotional attachment without any emotional diversion there should be no reactivity to this you go you complete your mission and you're done the thing is even people in the military or people who were in the military are still human. Therefore, they still have emotions. Therefore, when they're trained entirely to deal with life through a an extreme masculine perspective, when the emotions come up, they don't know what to do with them and they become the enemy and they become another thing to fight and kill and destroy. Except now you're doing it to yourself, to, to the pieces that live within you that are just trying to live. They're just trying to express themselves and, and, and exist. And, and now you're destroying them. So I've worked in these very masculine, um, typically, you know, masculine environments. And so I think a lot of what I would have to do in the in, in groups that I would run, which is similar to what I think I do on this podcast sometimes when I repeat myself about <laughs> the feminine and masculine. I'm, when I say that, I'm not talking about gender. It's because we are so conditioned to believe that 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 this thing is one size fits all. And by me talking about what I'm talking about, I'm trying to shift our thinking, our automatic thinking from what we think we've always known about this to some other way of seeing it. And so the way that we do that is to repeat it over and over again. And I used to draw very poorly. I used to draw an iceberg on the board in the groups. And I would show, you know, the line where the water was and say, you know, above the water is the piece of the iceberg that we see from the surface. And that's where our our ego mind is. I mean, this is not mind-blowing, the thing that I drew on the board with the iceberg. I mean, I think there's actually a lot of interpretations of I think it, it might be Freud or it might actually be Jung's ver- or, or their interpretation of the ego and the unconscious or the subconscious for Freud. Um, there are some kind of like infographics that have an iceberg. But essentially, I'm just using it to kind of say like there's stuff on the surface that we know about and we can change at a surface level. That's where our behavior modification can come into play. So a lot of times therapeutic interventions along the lines of CBT or DBT if you heard of those, cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectic behavioral therapy, uh, that's where those things come into play is above the surface. But underneath the surface is the mass of the iceberg. It's huge. That's the thing that took the Titanic down, not the little piece of ice up on the surface, but this gigantic like continent that lives under the water that we don't see. And that's where the depth psychology lives. That's where our unconscious material lives. And so you have to do a deeper dive in order to affect 
that material. It's not just on the surface where we can say, okay, here's a behavior that's not working for me. Let me change it. It's saying, here's a behavior that's not working for me or a feeling that I have or a mess that's going on in my head. But in order for me to really get a hold of it, I've got to surrender to everything that lives in the underbelly of that iceberg so that I can so that I can learn about it, so that I can be in relationship with it and understand what it's calling for and what it needs and how it got there in the first place. And then by addressing that, it will affect what's happening up on the surface. And so while I am very rooted in depth psychology, I have seen by working with clients and by working with myself, the value of the therapeutic interventions that are a little bit more on the surface. And that's especially true when we're in crisis. And crisis can take on myriad meanings. I mean, it can be from the most, you know, urgent, like I'm feeling suicidal or homicidal, or I'm having a panic attack and I feel like I'm having a heart attack and I need to get myself to a hospital or, you know, something a little bit more extreme to even just, I've been feeling a 10 out of 10 for three days and everything that I do to try to address my emotional reactivity is making things worse that's a crisis because it's going to impact our functioning. It's going to impact our sleep. It's going to impact our engagement with other people. And it's just a really difficult way to constantly be walking around escalated like that outside of your window of tolerance like that. Um, It's exhausting on the body. It's exhausting on the mind. It's exhausting on the soul. It's just, it's a hard place to be. In those situations, a lot of times more feminine approaches to therapy maybe are not going to be very helpful right now because we've got to mitigate the impact of the crisis first and then figure out what's going on underneath it, what's at the root of it. But there are other times that I think more masculine approaches to therapy can be very helpful. So let me, let me, because I don't think that I've explained this yet, but let me explain why depth psychology is a more feminine approach to therapy. So when we look at qualities of the feminine, We're looking at spiritual engagement. We're looking at things that are not measurable, things that are irrational, things that are unseen, things that are happening in our inner world and not necessarily outside of us. The feminine is about being mindfulness, being present, and the unconscious. It is about what is unconscious to us. And so by focusing on those things, by saying, well, let's listen to spiritual messages that are coming through. Let's look at things that are not necessarily rational and tangible and measurable and things that we can put our finger on. Let's look at what's going on in your inner world, not so much how you're engaging with other people or showing up in the world, but what's going on within you because there's a whole universe within you. What's going on in there, right? If, if you're if you're hurting, if you're aching, it's it's coming from it within. So let's let's tap into that, right? Let's make the unconscious conscious. That's a very feminine approach to therapy, whereas masculine approach is way more about material things, measurable things, rational things, the ego, what is seen, what we can see and understand and take action on, right? The masculine is very much about doing, not being. It's about the external world. It's about how are you interpersonally with other people? How are you getting up out of bed every morning and going out into the world and going to work and dealing with all of that, right? And so that's where a lot of behavior modification or skills like like healthy coping skills, the development of those can be very helpful because it's about taking action. And that CBT and DBT absolutely fall in line with that. I mean, DBT is is all about, you know, sort of acronyms and 
making the wildest thoughts in your head something that now you can look at an acronym and say, okay, all of a sudden it makes sense. You're putting it inside of a structure that really makes it conscious, that really makes it tangible and measurable, where you can hold it in your hand and feel some sense of power over it. I think, you know, where we get lost, and this is me speaking as a therapist, I think sometimes in the field of therapy, we get too obsessed with the CBT and DBT of the world. We get too into skills usage and here are some tools and here's some behavior modification. Now go be on your way. And we don't realize the risk for relapse in those things because anybody can change their behavior for a set amount of time. But if we don't get to what's at the root of it, chances are it's going to grow back. It's going to that the behavior that was a problem in the first place is going to start to come back because all we've done is essentially hit it at the surface. Um, and if you've ever, I, <laughs> I always think of, you know, like weeds that grow out of the ground at my mother's house in New York. She's just, I mean, that is the, the battle of her life is the weeds in the backyard. <laughs> and there was a period of time where she would just, you know, hit them with the weed whacker but they would keep coming up. It's like you have to get to the root. You have to kill them at the source where they're growing from. And that's the idea of the underbelly of the iceberg, the feminine approaches to therapy, the depth psychology, what's going on underneath it. We can we can add meaning to it. We can make it make sense. We could give it some other energy. We can be in relationship with it. And now all of a sudden it's it's not showing up in those behaviors the same way that it was before. So I think in our field, and it makes sense, because this is a masculine dominated culture and therapy often falls under the medical model, which is like the most masculine thing you can imagine in terms of, you know, getting results and, and measurable things and ego and what is seen and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, you don't go to the doctor and, you know, a doctor that pr practices Western medicine um, and talk about your spirituality, right? <laughs> it's about your lab results and the numbers and what are we going to do to change this, right? And so a lot of times therapy falls under that ideology and it can be helpful. But when you're applying it to the human psyche, you have to recognize that there's more to it than that. We can't actually measure the human psyche and what's going on in there. Therefore, you've, you've got to be careful about just blanketly applying those approaches to the human condition. That said, I think they're valuable. They're just not the only thing. And I think that, again, goes back to the whole thesis of the hungry feminine it's not about saying the masculine is wrong or that we've got to get rid of it it's just saying we also need to introduce feminine to this equation and i've learned this the hard way through my own pain and suffering through my own uh struggling to manage my own shit essentially when when we're in feminine excess i've talked about this before i've got a blog post about this on thehungryfeminine.com when we are too much in our feminine energy and it's not being checked by a healthy masculine. We're probably experiencing low energy. We're probably sleeping a lot. We're feeling really guilty. We're feeling really apathetic and probably avoiding a lot of things. We may be over or under eating at any given point. We don't have a lot of motivation and we're probably engaging in some compulsive behavior. So those are the, like the red flags that say, okay, I have, I'm a little bit too much in my feminine, right? In those situations, and I, again, I've, I've experienced this myself, when I have felt those things without maybe necessarily recognizing or labeling it as feminine excess, but just feeling those things to begin with, a lot of the time, my go-to for my own mental well-being is to meditate. It's to do like a body scan or check in with my somatic sensations. 
And the thing is, when I'm in an, in feminine excess, those things don't help. I could sit there and try to meditate and all I'm doing is feeling more guilt, wanting to avoid things even more. I'm wanting to just jump out of my skin. Why? Because if I'm in feminine excess, but I'm applying feminine approaches to healing, there's no balance. Now I've just added more feminine to more feminine. And if the existing feminine, if the, the excess of feminine, the, be, the behaviors and the emotions that I'm experiencing are too far to that extreme, remember the gutter. Now I'm in the gutter, the bowling alley, right? And adding more feminine to that does not push me to the center. It just pushes me more down the gutter. So that is a situation where CBT and DBT and other masculine structured, tangible, measurable interventions can be more helpful. So if I'm in this feminine excess and I'm feeling all of this guilt and all of this apathy and all of this avoidance, then I may need some, you know, checks of cognitive distortions. I may need to do a thought log and check in on the thoughts that are creating that guilt and that apathy and that avoidance and the lack of motivation and and fact check those thoughts. Say, wait a minute, where are those thoughts coming from? Who says they're true? Why do I have to feel guilty about this thing? I didn't do anything wrong, but that's, you know, another CBT term is a core belief. A core belief that I have is that I am somebody that owes everybody everything. And so if I can't perform to that extreme, then I need to feel guilty about it. Well, that's not a realistic thought pattern. That's not fair. That's not based in reality. That's based in my past trauma and, and things that I've gone through. So I need to, to, to fact check that. I need something to step into the picture and say, wait a minute, that isn't true objectively, that isn't true, right? And start to wiggle my thoughts back to somewhere that's a little bit more effective for me. And that's the masculine dragging me a little bit out of the gutter. It's creating that bounce off of the bumper and saying, no, no, don't go that too far in that direction. Come back into center. I'm going to add some structure to the frenzy that you're in. And that will help balance you a little bit. To the other end, if I'm experiencing excess of masculine, I'm going to be really restless. I'm probably not sleeping a lot. I'm going to need constant stimulation. I'm going to be like, w I got to play a game or read something or talk to somebody or go do something that's really thrilling and gets my adrenaline rushing. I'm going to be maybe angry, angry and really irritable and reactive to people, um, which is going to probably come through in some kind of aggression. I'm going to probably experience some grandiosity. Like I am the most important thing here. And maybe there's some victimization in that. And I'm going to be engaging in really impulsive behaviors. I'm going to be doing a lot of things likely to the end of needing constant stimulation or being irritable that I'm just going to do it without thinking. And it's probably not the best thing for me to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. In that situation, a feminine approach is the thing that's going to help balance you out. So to help with restlessness, mindfulness, meditation, it's not going to be easy, but that's the thing that can help quell that recognizing what's at the root of the need for constant stimulation and recognizing that all of that is material stuff that, you know, when the masculine goes into the shadow because it's too in excess and there's no feminine balancing it out, it's all about conquering, right? Consumption, 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 consumption. Let me take in as much as I possibly can because, again, there's another sort of frenzy going on within me, but it's all about how much I can grab and hold on to and take within me and consume, and so the, the feminine can help in that a lot by saying, you already have everything that you need right now. 
So let's find some peace within. Stop looking to the external world for that peace, but let's go inward and see what we can find in there because there's a whole world in there. But if you're so preoccupied with material excess from the outside world, you have no idea how much you're fighting, how much you're you're living within yourself. And I think that's a lot of times what happens when we go into masculine excess is we end up either avoiding or fighting what we feel within us because we haven't been given the tools to deal with it. We don't know how to deal with it. We don't even know how to conceptualize it. And so feminine approaches to therapy can be helpful in that way because it helps us conceptualize. That's the work that I was doing with the veterans, why I would draw the iceberg all the time and repeat myself all the time is, you have everything that you need. We have convinced ourselves as a culture, as a society, that we are nothing if we don't have X amount of things to show for our time on earth. And, and that X amount of things is, is often material, right? Do you have the house and the car and the big screen TV and what kind of, you know, awesome things can your phone do? And do you have the hot wife and the kids and all of these things, whatever that is, right? Whatever it is, it's all about external consumption. But we don't celebrate the people who um, have found peace within themselves or have found enlightenment or can sit in a room by themselves for an extended period of time and not ever get bored and not ever feel like they're missing out on something because they have a very rich inner world. And that's amazing that they've been able to tap into that. We don't see it that way in our culture. We don't value that, right? We, we say mean things about those people that they're loners and that they're weird and they're freaks, right? Because we don't value the inner world, of the, of the feminine. And so the feminine can step into a, a, an, a, an excess of masculine and say, wait a minute, listen, I get that you're suffering, but part of the reason that you're suffering is that you're looking outside of you to find peace. And that's just, you're giving somebody else control over how you feel. What if you could actually go inward and get to know yourself and figure out a way to tolerate yourself and then love yourself? without needing everything else outside of you. And so that I think is where depth can come into play. And I think the fact that we are a masculine dominated culture, most of us are masculine dominated, at least by practice. We've we've learned that our feminine qualities are not going to get us the paycheck that we need in order to earn a living and live a, a life. We've learned that when we do express our feminine selves, we get bullied or we get shut down or we get eyes rolled at us or we get told that we're wasting our time. So when we believe those messages unconsciously, we start to alter our behavior and we start to tell our own feminine, shut up. Now's not the place or time for you. You're going to get me in trouble. You're not strong enough for what I need to be doing right now. So we we create in a sense, and, and, and there are exceptions to this, of course, always. But when we live in a dominated or a masculine dominated culture, we ourselves become essentially masculine dominated in order to survive in that culture, in order to keep up with that culture. And so I think that the, the entire sort of ethos of deaf psychology is so important right now, specifically because we need to strike that balance. We need to inform people, listen, your feminine is actually really great and can do amazing things for you. And it doesn't have to take over. We just need it to be in the picture a little bit, adding some information and some insight to what you're experiencing. I think this also applies to the way that we conceptualize self-care. Uh, a lot of times we say self-care is supposed to be like, oh, I'm going to give myself a bubble bath or I'm going to get my nails done or I'm going to stay in all day and watch Netflix. And that can be great. Believe me, I'm a big proponent of staying in all day and watching Netflix. But 
if we are too much in our feminine, that's actually perpetuating a state of avoidance. And it's not actually helping us. Um, it may be quelling our emotional reactivity in that moment because it's saying, Shh, you don't have to worry about it. Go, go retreat and you can deal with all of that stuff later. Um, and sometimes we need to just avoid something briefly. But avoidance typically just builds and builds and builds and builds. And the problem remains and our stress about it remains. Our anxiety knows, you know. Our anxiety and our depression, for me, especially like I can speak from my own experience, they know when I'm avoiding something. And so in the moment, I might feel a little bit better. But those feelings are stirring because they're like, but you're not addressing the problem. You're not doing the thing that we need to be doing, which is why more masculine approaches to self-care, like actually calling the the loan people and having a conversation about your bill or going to the doctor or going to the mechanic and getting your car fixed and actually taking action and doing the thing that is self-care too. cleaning your apartment that is self-care right it's just a different type than what uh, we're trying to sell people on as in terms of self-care and it just depends on where we are. If we're too much in our feminine, masculine self-care is actually going to help us. It's going to be uncomfortable for a hot minute because it's not the state that we are existing in. It's going to feel like it's challenging us and, and telling us to do something else. And it is, but that's why it's helpful. If we're too much in our masculine and we're like, go, 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 I've got this appointment and this appointment and I've got to do this work and I have this deadline and I'm trying to get all of this accomplished and I need to go shopping and all that, then yes, the feminine self-care of just slow down, breathe, meditate, take a walk in nature, retreat and watch Netflix all day, that feminine self-care is going to help balance off the masculine stress that you are under. So a lot of times we just default to, I'm going to perpetuate the state that I am in by doing more things that fuel the state that I'm in. If I'm in an excess of feminine, I'm going to self-care with feminine things. Most of the time, that's actually not the right way to go. And so I just wanted to have this conversation for a minute to just say there are different approaches to therapy and and clients who are not at all trained in different modalities of therapy and don't know what they mean they're they're going to therapists to say this is what hurts and this is what i need to do about it this is my personality this is what i tend to vibe well with and this is how i think i need to fix the situation that I'm in. And sometimes that's totally spot on. And 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 I'm not going to be somebody who's going to tell a client that they're wrong for asking what they think that they need. But it is also my job to kind of reflect on what might be causing more pain and suffering for them and offer an alternative to that. So I've gotten calls about CBT and DBT, which is actually, I think, CBT more so than DBT. But clients, people that have no idea anything about therapy still seem to know about CBT and DBT, which of course they do because they're masculine approaches to therapy. And when you hear about them under the influence of masculine ideology, they sound great. Oh, I can just fact check my thoughts, you know, sort of recognize cognitive distortions, change the thoughts before they become feelings, before they become actions, problem solved. They got everything under control. I've said this before, when I am too much in my feminine excess, meditation becomes a slow form of torture for me. I can't do it. I need something more pragmatic. 
And when I'm in my excess of masculine, that is when absolutely I need the the depth psychology lifeboat to come by and remind me that all of the tangible material things that I am stressing about, that my ego is just going off about, it's not that they don't matter, but it's that they don't matter as much as my ego is making me think that they matter, right? And that's where the the things that are not measurable and not tangible and the spiritual things can really come into play and help add some balance. So I'll just say that this was kind of an off-the-cuff episode that just kind of came about um, randomly from my own experience that I've been having recently, conversations that I've been having with clients and friends and just kind of putting it out there, just naming what offerings are out there when it comes to therapy, because deciding to go to therapy can be a big decision. I think therapists, we don't always, and and sometimes there's good reason for this, but we don't always explain what our approaches are, why they are that way, what that means for you as a client coming to see us. Sometimes there's a reason for that because perhaps you having too much information might overwhelm you before you even walk in the door. But at the same time, we do list and advertise what our orientation is and what our approach is. We do that on Psychology Today. We do that on our websites. We do that probably on our first call with you to just give you a gist of what we're doing. And every therapist is going to operate differently. I really find the value in using both approaches the, the depth approach and then the more masculine approaches, which are not just CBT and DBT, but those are the sort of representations of it as we know it. And just having both at the ready for you when you come into the office to say, what is it that you need right now? I think you have to be an informed customer when you when you look for a therapist and try to figure out who the right person is to help you. And you get to. It's It should be an empowering experience for you. And so I hope that this episode was able to maybe add a little bit of insight into what those words mean when you are looking up a therapist in your area and trying to figure out who the right person is to help you, at least when it comes to depth or Jungian oriented therapists and then this the CBT, DBT folks. Hopefully this helped a little bit paint a little bit of a picture about what the difference is between them and, and how they can each be helpful in different situations. And there's so many other approaches. I've, I've kept it very much like the representation of the feminine and the representation of the masculine, but there's so much in between there. But because this is really an episode for those looking for a therapist or, or curious about what therapists are up to and, and why they do what they do. Uh, I really want to open this up to questions. And so as always on my Instagram account at the hungry feminine under my podcast stories highlight, there is a question box and I've left that up there because I want to answer your questions, especially about this, especially because this can be a tricky thing to navigate as a client, as somebody who does not have therapy experience or, or the knowledge or the language I really want therapy to be accessible to people. I remember the first time I reached out to a therapist, which at this point was 13 years ago, I think. And I reached out to a therapist in a very desperate situation because it got to a desperate situation because I would not allow myself to go to therapy because I was afraid of it, because I didn't feel like I deserved it. 
I felt that it was for people who had real struggles. And I felt like I was just this bratty person who wasn't getting what I wanted and all of these negative cognitive distortions that really enforce my core belief that I was not good enough. I didn't let myself go to therapy. And then I hit a really depressive episode, which I talked about in a previous episode of this podcast. And I ran out of options. I had to call a therapist and it was the best decision that I've ever made. I just, some part of me wished that I had made that call a little bit sooner. And that was the journey that I had to go on. And that was the experience that I needed to have. But what if I could have had a better experience? What if I could have gone to therapy as a proactive thing rather than a reactive thing? And so talking about therapy, talking about what brings people to therapy, talking about what happens in therapy, I think can be really, really helpful. And so I want to have these conversations and I want to offer as much transparency as I think is appropriate for this conversation. So if you have questions... I'm happy to keep talking about this. Just head over to The Hungry Feminine on Instagram and check out that podcast stories highlight and just ask away. And uh, if I get enough questions, I'll maybe put together a second episode to address this. For now, though, um, I'm going to leave it at that. And if it feels unresolved, which it does to me a little bit, then that just means we need to pick up where we left off at some other point but hopefully with your questions kind of guiding us through that conversation. But thank you for for listening, for being here. As always, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at The Hungry Feminine. You can check out my blog and my therapy services and all other sorts of things at thehungryfeminine.com. And uh, see you next time.